We are taking a break from Exodus uh, uh, for our missions week. I'm going to be reading from one of the great mission psalms, brief psalm, Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Wood's Edge began in the fall of 1993, and for the first uh, eight or nine years, we were not doing much in missions. And uh, we did have some, some excellent children's trips to Mexico with mission kids, but in general, we were not doing a lot. And I can tell you what the problem was. The problem was me. It's because my uh, heart for the nations was more theoretical than actual. And we had a team of people who were seeking God, praying, kind of leading us and seeking God for what nation we should focus on. It looked like it was going to be Turkey, and I knew that I needed to go with them because I did not have a heart for the nations. I did not have a heart for Turkey, and I knew I wouldn't get it unless I went. And if I didn't have a heart for Turkey, then our, we as a church would not. So I went in November of 2002, nine years in, and it happened more dramatically and powerfully than I had expected. The first night I was there, they took me up on the roof. You know, they were smart about it. And so I could over, look over these people milling around on the streets of Istanbul. Actually, it was old Constantinople, the Blue Mosque, one of the great mosques in the world, the Hagia Sophia for a thousand years, the greatest church in the world. And it was during the Ramadan fast, but it was at night. So they were kind of feasting and you could see the smoke rising from food cooking and, and milling around. And it hit me in a moment that here is this great city of about 12 million people. Maybe it swells to 15 million people with refugees. 12 million people representing a country of 70 million people. And generation upon generation have lived and died and never heard the good news that there is a God in heaven who's crazy in love with them and proved it by sending his son Jesus. And in a moment, that just gripped me, the, 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 the tragedy, the, the sadness, and the great urgency of the need. I mean, here is this land of Turkey in the Bible. This is Ephesus, uh, Asia Minor, those sort of things, which was the epicenter for the gospel for some time. Now is a, a land just completely bereft of the gospel. And uh, in a moment of time, God just gripped my heart. And I haven't been the same since and it began to make some changes in our church. Now, Woods Edge, I want you to know what we're doing. We don't have time here to, to explain all that we're doing outside the walls of Woods Edge, across the street and around the globe, but I want to give you a brief overview. Because beginning with that time, in November of 2002, 12 years later, uh, God has done some incredible things. I've got seven specific things to let you know about that God has been doing, not necessarily chronological order. They, they were overlapping, began, began overlapping. 
But first of all, we began sending more and more people, not just children, but more and more adults on short-term trips, which can be so critical in getting a glimpse of what God is doing around the world. Not only to Mexico, but Turkey, Ecuador, Spain, Malawi, and other places. And by the way, if I was you and I had the uh, resources, or I'd pray for the resources, and I had children who live in this kind of a Disneyland life, I would get them out around the globe to see what uh, most of the world is like. I'd, I'd move heaven and earth to, to do that, if at all possible. So short-term trips began to really change. And I, I, my, my personal vision is that every person in Wood's Edge would go on a short-term trip. We began sending long-term workers. It began with Don and Becky Donaldson, and actually they went a few months before I went to Turkey. Uh, they went to establish a, a hospitality house in the Middle East that saw um, people from Kazakhstan, from Afghanistan, from Yemen, some of whom, 22 people got martyred of the folks that stayed in that house, and it became just one of the most incredible hospitality houses in the world. And they were our first ones to send out, but we began sending people to Turkey, to Ecuador, to Madrid, to Malawi. They went to China. They've gone to Taiwan. They've gone to other places, Middle East, and, uh, and to the point where we've got about 25 people now as long-term workers around the world. About the same time, sometime in there, Ricardo Diaz, Dr. Ricardo Diaz from Colombia moves here. He is a pastor of pastors. He's pastored pastors all over Latin America, and he began a Hispanic ministry which has been incredible. Most of the churches in the United States who have Hispanic ministries have a kind of a separate congregation that meets later in the day. That's not how Ricardo's vision from the start fully integrated part of Wood's Edge. We've got Hispanic elders. We've got Hispanic staff people. They're fully integrated, a vital part of Wood's Edge. And with all of the Hispanic people pouring into Houston, that's a huge part of what we're doing internationally is reaching and trying to reach those folks. So we have the Hispanic ministry. We have local ministries. Uh, we began more and more, uh, not only to go across the nation, to, around the globe, but just the, the crying needs around Houston. Our Threads Ministry and Portable One gives clothing and food to needy people. About a thousand people a month, you make a uh, thousand people a week, you make that possible. Is it a week or a month? I forget. It's a lot. It's a bunch of them. Um, uh, many other things. Uh, Josh and Debs Walker with Young Hope has some incredible ministries with street people, homeless people, folks in jails and prison. We've got Redeemed focusing on human trafficking in 1960 and beyond. We've got Love Fosters Hope with Cindy Miracle, uh, incredible ministries, Royal Family Kids Camp and other ministries to, for, for orphans and for foster kids. Um, Armor of God, Kingdom Dogs Ministries. Uh, we've got uh, other works in and jails and prisons, including about 150 fired-up guys in a prison in Navasota who think of themselves as Woods Edge West, just as much a part of Woods Edge as you and I are. And that's just too exciting. You ought to see them. They're, 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 they're heart for the gospel. Uh, we began uh, more and more church planning, and we got a, a church plant down in Montgomery and in the Rice area and, uh, and Guadalajara and... Uh, uh, restoration in Wood Forest, a declaration in Bender's Landing. Maybe I'm forgetting one. Uh, we're going to do this more and more because this is God's way to expand the kingdom of God through the local church multiplying uh, out around the world. Uh, internationals in Houston. I mean, we live in the city. By God's grace, that is the greatest international city in the United States in terms of percentages. I mean, unbelievably, of our city, greater Houston, six million people or so, one out of four of us were born in a separate country. 
And uh, so not only do we go to the nations, but the nations are coming to us, streaming in. And this is not an either-or deal. That's small-minded thinking. This is always a both-and sort of thing. They're streaming in, and so we want to reach them, too. We have ministries with, with refugees, with college students, uh, especially Iraqi refugees and others. My daughter, Sarah Callie, has been involved with Burmese refugees, with Victoria Kirpinoff, Re- uh, international supporting We're right in the thick of that. We've got folks f- fully dedicated and focused on that ministry. Also, we've got some incredible international ministries led by people who are here at Wood's Edge, but they're all the time international. We've got Ivan Bikoff and Sergey Kirpinov, this incredible Russian-speaking ministry, uh, leveraging soccer for the gospel, reaching thousands, really tens of thousands of people all over uh, closed countries that would be very difficult to get into. We've got uh, Ken Womack, one of our elders, with Mission Catalyst, training church planners and leaders around the world in various continents and third countries, third world countries. We've got uh, uh, Inda Abba's Arms with Jane Alexander. We've got uh, Josh and Debs also, besides the, all the stuff they do in Houston, Teen Street with about 4,000 people gathering in Germany and, and now spreading to other places. We've got incredible ministries that are led by people who are part of our church family. Now, in each of these ways... Uh, you are a part of what God is doing around the world. And we've got the privilege of being a part of it. Uh, in November of 2013, most of you know that we kind of entered a new season because we paid off the debt on this campus. We got behind in the reception, recession when we moved in in 2009. And uh, we, we fully paid off the debt, planned to stay out of debt, and, and began you know, feeling led by God that 50% of the regular income of Woods Edge went outside the walls of Woods Edge. And so uh, it has just been so fun. It's just been so exciting that we can meet needs for the gospel of Christ around the world. Now, that is just a brief overview. There's many other ministries that I didn't talk about, didn't explain my name with a lot of stories. But I want you to, Woods Edge, at least have the overview of what we're involved with. But I want you to not, not only know the what, I want you to know the why. Jeff, why are y'all spending so many resources um, uh, outside the walls of Woods Edge. Well, let me tell you why. It is because of this. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, time after time after time, you see that God's heart is for all the peoples of the earth, for every person in all the nations of the earth, that our God, that the living God is a missionary God, that our God is a global God. Can I just uh, demonstrate that for a few minutes? I wish I had three hours that we could go through every passage. Maybe I'd need six or seven hours. Every single passage in the Bible that talks about this. But let me just take seven or eight of these. In the book of Genesis, God is going to move from Genesis 1 through 11, all the nations, to one nation. He's going to focus on the Jews. He raises up Abraham. He's going to focus on just the Jewish people. But what they didn't get is there were to be a light to the nations and a focus elsewhere. Now, you would think if there's any passage that would not focus on the nations, that would not focus on all the world, but just focus on one nation, it would be this one. But oh no, God says, Abraham, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Why, Abraham? Because of this in Genesis 12, 3, so that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see God's global heart right from the start? Israel was not about the Jews. Israel is about a light to all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth. And we see right at the outset of the Bible, in one of these critical uh, pivot points, inflection points of the gospel, of the kingdom, that our God is a missionary God, that our God is a global God, 
that his perspective is never one people, but it's always all the peoples of the earth, every single person in the, in the, on the earth. Now, that happens throughout the, the Old Testament. Just a little bit of, of uh, overview. Okay, God sends Moses back to Egypt. We've been seeing in, in Exodus to rescue his people. So is this all about God's people, all of those plagues? Oh, no. God has Moses say to Pharaoh, but for this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Not just for the Israelites in Egypt, not just for Pharaoh, not just for the Egyptians, but so that all the earth might hear the message, and they're still hearing it today, that God alone is God, and he's the almighty, all-powerful, wonderful God. When they, 40 years later, are finally coming in to the land, crossing the, the Jordan River, God keeps this before them. And I've skipped a bunch of other examples. But as they cross in the Jordan, Joshua, this is why we're doing this, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever, so that all the peoples. Now, church, this is what I want you to do. If this is a new teaching for you, forever after, when you are reading the Bible, look for phrases like all the peoples, all the families of the earth, all the earth, all the nations. There were 10 of them in the passage that I read from Psalm 67 in just seven verses. It's all through the Bible. And if you are not aware of it, not alert for it, you might miss it. You might have uh, been missing the, the global, the great global missionary heart of God for all your Christian life. Never again, never again will that be true. You look for that phrase. It is all through the Bible. Our God is a missionary God. The living God is a missionary God. For example, even the teenager David fighting Goliath. You think, well, you know, that teenager, he doesn't know, you know, what's up. And, you know, he's over there just concerned about himself. But he is ready to do battle with Goliath. And we come to that great climactic part where he challenges Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 46, get what this teenager says. I mean, what was I doing when I was a teenager? I didn't know what, what, was, what was going on. And, and he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is not for the faint of heart. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Why? That all the earth, Goliath, may know that there is a God in Israel. Here is a 17-year-old or so boy who has a perspective that all the earth needs to know about our great God. They must know. He had a global heart. First Kings 8, dedicating the temple. Solomon's prayer. We're dedicating this. Why? Not just for Israel. Not just for the Jews. Not just for my people. But so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. The passage I read earlier in Psalm 67. As I said, 10 phrases point to the global perspective and the global heart of God. And church, it is impossible to be a fully biblical Christian unless you have God's heart for the nations. Unless that is your perspective, that you just see it through. You see not only the people around you on your street and your top five, but you see all the people. Because you have never looked into the eyes of any human being that does not matter to God. Every single one. Now, New Testament, not going to read very many of them, but the Great Commission. What did Jesus say? Now, he had been focusing on Israel because he's final training. But, but, but not for their sakes, but for our sakes. Those of us who are not Jews. And in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of 
Help me. All the nations, all the peoples, make disciples of all the nations of the earth. Uh, John 3, 16, go, for God so loved the neighborhood around you. No, no, for God so loved the world. All the peoples of the world matter to God. Acts 1, 8, the very last thing Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank God, because we wouldn't have had the gospel otherwise. And then in Revelation, I'm just skipping by tons of references just to get you an overview. But in the throne room of heaven one day, this is what we're going to see. Revelation 7, 9, after this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in, palm branches in their hands. Church, God's heart is for all the peoples of the earth. It's God's heart. And if God is a global God, then we must be global Christians, or we are less than biblical Christians, fully biblical Christians. Guys, the most rich and exciting and meaningful thing that you're ever going to experience, I believe, is going to be at the throne room of God in heaven with Jesus Christ there tangibly, physically, and with people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people all around us worshiping God. Uh, this brother from Central Asia came up and, and hugged me after this first service and, and just gave me such the warmest hug. I love your heart. So I love your heart too. And we have such those, those bonds, uh, so much better than people I've known all my life because of Jesus Christ. We are united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right up here on the steps here, there's a, a man, Asher, from, from Pakistan, and right below him, a man, Daniel, from India. India and Pakistan are at odds with each other, but they travel together here and they love each other. I know that uh, there are guys that travel with Sergei and Ivan from Russia and Ukraine. Now, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and it's bad over there. But they love each other because the gospel is the uniting part behind the, the peoples of the world. And this is God's heart, and it must be our heart. And all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Now, let me be very clear. I've talked about the peoples of the earth, but the primary motivation, the driving force behind missions is actually not the great commandment, as important as that is, to go into all the nations. And it is not even uh, the, the, the lost people and your love for them, as important as that is. But the primary driving force behind uh, the, our heart for the nations and our heart for the peoples on our street and around the world is nothing less than that Jesus Christ would be known in all the earth. The glory, the fame, the renown, the honor of Jesus, our Savior. Now just think about it, church. What if you had never heard about Jesus and his love for you? I mean, this morning as I'm praying and, and meeting with the Lord, and I've just got this love relationship with him, and I'm just so I'm intoxicated by his love, and I'm loving him, and he's loving me. And just to think, what if you had never heard about a God in heaven who loves you? I mean, where would you be, Jeff? You would be hopeless and lost. And there are people like that all over the place. And we need to, they, they must know for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. John Stott was a pastor who recently died in London a few years back. Local church, just like this one, but he had the global heart of God because he was a biblical Christian. This is what he said. He said, we should be jealous for the honor of his name, troubled when it remains unknown, hurt when it is ignored, 
indignant when it is blasphemed, and all the time anxious and determined that it shall be given the honor and glory which are due to it. The highest of all missionary motives is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, but rather zeal, burning and passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ before this supreme goal of the Christian mission, all unworthy motives wither and die. Jesus Christ's glory must be known among all the peoples of the earth, and that's what drives us. Now, church, that's the why. Why do we care so much about uh, ministry outside the walls of the, uh, of the church and, and across the globe? Because this is God's heart. This is God's heart. And, and I would urge you to think about it. If God has called you to Wood's Edge, he's called you to this. In fact, he's called you to Christ, he's called you to this. You do not want to live and die and be part of a church with such a heart for the nations and the gospel and miss it completely. And get to heaven one day, and, and you are part, you, you mean you lived in the 21st century, the greatest worldwide harvest in human history? Wow. And, and that you completely missed it and were oblivious to us like I was before I went to Istanbul. You don't want to do that. It's right there, and, and you are now aware and informed this is God's heart for the nations. Now, specifically, what is our part individually? Talked about our part together as a church. What is our part individually? Well, do you remember in 2010, the mining disaster in Chile, where 33 people, 33 miners were trapped 2,500 feet below the surface, and millions of tons of rock and earth collapsed upon them, and they couldn't get out. Now, 2,500 feet is as far deep as the Empire State Building is high, and they had all of that rock and such fall upon them, and they were trapped, and, and it was dire. And all of the world, uh, I mean, you probably remember it for, for yourself, you know, what, what was concerned about this and up in arms about it, and we got to get them out. And, and there were engineers and architects and drillers. I bet there were some drillers here in Houston who were on that problem. And, and, and they were thinking about, you know, how can we get them out? And people were submitting plans and, and all kinds of people, wealthy people, poor people, people who knew the families, people who didn't know them from Adam, praying about this. We've got to get those 33 miners out who are trapped. This is what they did. They were focused on getting at least a small pipe drilled that 2,500 feet so they could get to them air, food, water, and hope. They had to know that there were some people up there who were moving heaven and earth, literally, to get them uh, rescued. They needed hope that people were working on this. After 19 days, 19 days, they finally had a breakthrough and got the pipe all the way through so they could get them for the first time more food, more air, more, wa more water, and hope. They're working on this. From that time until the rescue was another 48 days. Now, that's a long time. Another seven weeks almost, a total of 67 days, almost 10 weeks down in that darkness and, and, and that isolation. But finally, they, they got a pipe there through there big enough they could start getting the people out. And when they came out, you remember? I mean, it was just jubilation. I mean, we had rescued them. You know, all the world was rejoicing. And, and, and I think about the enormous resources and heart to get out and rescue, to get those 33 miners out of that mine, to rescue them. I mean, they just, uh, it just mattered so much, and it should have. 
I mean, they spent enormous resources, and they should have, to rescue those 33 miners. And then just think with me. We're going to rescue those 33 miners so they could live another 30, 40, 50, 60 years on life. And every penny was worth it. But for the gospel, we're not talking about rescuing 33 miners for another 30, 40, 50 years of life. We're talking about rescuing billions of people, not for this lifetime only, but for all eternity. Now let that sink in. And let me ask you, what is bigger than that? What in your life is more important than that? Than the glory of Jesus Christ and the salvation of precious people for all eternity. It doesn't get bigger than that. This is the only cause that matters. I'm for the rockets. They're going to get killed, but that doesn't matter. This is for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is life for precious human beings like you and me. What is your part and what is my part? Let me summarize it in the last few minutes. First of all, decide to be a global Christian. If I had one summary statement about this message, what I want for the people of Wood's Edge, whom I love dearly, that we would all become global Christians, having a heart, God's heart for the nations and for the world, that we would have God's heart. Because anything less than being a global Christian is less than being a biblical Christian. Decide to become a global Christian. If you are sitting here, uh, most of you at Woods Edge, you already get this, you already have this, but if not, trace it to April 17th, 2016, in the Woods Edge Auditorium, I got it, and from here on to the day I die, I'm gonna have a heart for the nations. Come hell or high water. Now I can trace it for me to that roof in November of 2011, 2002. Uh, if you haven't had it before, get it now. Get it now. This is the only cause that matters. So what are we gonna do about it? If we're biblical Christians, we have God's heart for the nations. Well, first of all, you know where I'm going here. Pray, the real work, the real power. My house, Jesus said, shall be a house of prayer for all the nations, not just for ourselves, but for the nations of the world. So pray. Samuel Zwimmer opened up missions in the Middle East. They said the history of missions is the history of answered prayer. It is the key to the whole mission problem. All human means are secondary. This is the real work, and every single one of us can be all about it. Now, I don't know how you do it with our missionaries, but we got 25 people around the world. I don't know how you're praying for them, but uh, we got to be praying for them. We cannot support them. If we're not going to pray for them, uh, let's call them all back and keep them right here. Let's don't do missions. I sort of pray through them Sunday, some Sunday. I pray by continent, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, around, and cover all of them in a week. Maybe, you know, you want to do something like that. Maybe you want to just choose one of them and really focus on them. Maybe you want to pray for all of them a day. Uh, but, but pray for our workers as well as our ministry partners. That's the first thing. Secondly, find a church that is missional, outward, global. Now, I, am, I would be naive to think you're going to be at Wood's Edge for the rest of your life. You're going to get transferred to Phoenix or Dallas or Chicago or someplace like that, uh, many of you. And when you do, uh, find a church that is fully missional and biblical because anything less than a church that is a global church is less than a biblical church. 
This is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. And it is less, it is subpar in terms of a, a fully Christ-like church if it doesn't have God's heart for the nations and for the people around the world. Fourthly, go on a short-term trip. God changed my life with it. God changes lives left and right. There are people, if you go to another country with an open heart to God, he will grab your heart. Now, I guess you can go without an open heart and nothing will change. But if you go with an open heart, something will happen. And I'm just telling you, many of you guys have a lot of affluence, a lot of resources. If I was living in this Disneyland of the Woodlands area and I had kids, I would make sure that they were exposed to some place besides Disneyland and they got out to Mexico, Turkey, Ecuador, some other place to be exposed to the, to the nations of this world. I would do what I could. I'd get my kids out there. Fifthly, give generously to God's work at your church. Church, I unapologetically encourage you, bring your full tithe here at the church. God's plan is the church, the local church. We serve together. We're not a bunch of independent marbles, you know, doing our own thing. We're like a cluster of grapes being called together to serve just like all through the New Testament. Bring your full tithe here. God's doing some great things here. Uh, Tim Martin is our missions pastor, and he has led us in this effort, not me. He has led us. Tim Martin, just a little background, he would hate me saying this, but he was over the international operations of a large independent oil company in our area. Now, you know, ExxonMobil, those are the majors, uh, the large independents are the Anadarkos of the world. Tim was placed over one of these independents that was worst in his category of all of his peers for uh, what they were doing internationally. And after some years of being the, over the international operations, they moved from worst to first because Tim Martin is a gifted leader. And by the grace of God, he leaves them to come and lead, and lead our international operations for the kingdom. And uh, what God has done through Tim and his team and you as a people has been incredible. We have an incredible missions ministry locally and internationally. It is by far the strongest part of this church and has been for some time. And it is a privilege to be a part of it. And you make it happen. And thank you for your generous giving, being part of all these things that I've talked about earlier and more. I unapologetically, as your pastor, ask you, bring the full tithe. Trust God. Uh, don't have any regrets about uh, playing it safe between now and your time of going to heaven. All righty. Adopt one of our missionaries to pray for. Another practical step. Go to one of the gospel conversations classes. Ray Vaughn is this incredibly gifted guy, recently has moved from southwest part of Houston to those apartment complexes right across that parking lot. And every Saturday, well, the first Saturday of the month, he's going to lead this gospel conversation class. They were doing it a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, and he was baptizing somebody in their bathtub. And uh, young man, uh, it's an incredible opportunity. He's the three circles guy. Uh, take perspectives, best missions course on the planet. Perspectives. We offer it right here at Woods Edge every year. We'll be offering it next January. Seek to reach your top five. We can't be uh, focused out there and not be caring about the people on our street, uh, people at uh, HEB, people at uh, our workplaces, because we've got to see ourselves as missionaries. We don't just support missionaries. We're missionaries. We're on mission for Jesus Christ. See that. Find some place to serve in the kingdom of God. We can't sit on the sidelines. Everybody's not called to go. I'm not. I'm called to be right here. 
but find some place to serve in the kingdom of God because all of us are in this together. If we don't have somebody taking care of nursery workers right now, we don't hold church this morning. I mean, it's a zoo. And, uh, and, and we all are together in glorifying God and uh, reaching the nations for Jesus Christ. Find some place to serve. Now, church, let me close by reminding you that of any epoch in history, besides probably the first 20 or 30 years of the gospel, 30 and 40, 50 A.D., besides that, this is the greatest time to be alive ever in terms of the kingdom of God. I mean, what's going on? 115,000 new believers every day, 6,000 new churches, the church, the epicenter of what God's doing. This is how the kingdom advances. We're right in the thick of that. 6,000 new churches every day around the world. Let me just talk about the Muslims. Uh, you know, we're all preoccupied about the Muslims, and we think that the biggest thing about the Muslims are the terrorists and ISIS. That is not the biggest thing. Let me tell you the biggest thing. This is it. Between 622, when Muhammad founded Islam, and 1800, how many movements among uh, Muslims were there? You know, movements like in the Gospel of, like in the book of Acts. At least 1,000 people come to Christ in a short time in a short area. How many movements between 622 and 1800? Zero. Zero movements. Between 1800 and 1980, I mean, that's getting close to our day now, 180 years, how many movements? Two. Two. Samuel Zwimmer opened up Middle East. He saw, uh, what was it, one convert every four years. He saw 10 converts total. Okay, between uh, 1800 and 1980, two movements, zero, two. Now, in the next 20 years that we've lived in, 1980 to 2000, there were 11 movements among Muslims where a thousand of them in an area in a short time were coming to Christ and getting baptized. Between 2000 and 2013, 69 movements among Muslim peoples. That, amen, that is the biggest thing. We're worried about ISIS and uh, terrorism, and, and there's a place to be concerned and, and do due, due diligence. But we're not scared of the Muslims. They are coming to Christ because so many of them, the Spirit of God is at work in them, and they are coming to our nation, our land, and we need to love them and to reach out to them for Christ's sake. God is at work among the Muslim people. We're not namby-pamby Christians who are kind of, you know, over, over there just kind of worried sick about terrorism. We want to reach them for Christ. We want to be praying. We want to be sending. We want to be receiving in every way we can. There was a pastor in Jordan, Ryan uh, in our church, uh, Ryan and Christine, pretty new in our church, lived in the Middle East. Noah Pastor in Jordan. He's been working among Muslims for 40 years. And he said to Ryan, in the last 10 months, I've seen more Muslims coming to faith than the previous 39 years. God, there's a, uh, God is drawing people to himself around the world, and we can be a part of it. And you are a part of it because you're a part of Wood's Edge. You serve. You give. You, uh, you pray. You send. You receive. You welcome. The way you welcome these folks, that was just great. Church, it has been said that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. It happens. It happens. Because the true worshipers, the real worshipers, are not those just concerned about themselves, but that Jesus Christ would be worshipped in all the countries of the earth. Those are the true worshipers. And they got a heart for the nations. Church, decide 
that we will become global Christians for the honor and the sake and the glory of Jesus Christ. Stand with me. Amen. Friend, if you're in the room and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this is your moment of eternity. Receive the free gift of life in Jesus and forgiveness. Because on the cross, he paid for your sins. And he offers you life. Just breathe a prayer right now and say, Jesus, come and save me. He'll do it. He'll do it. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you that there are incredible hearts for the gospel all over this church. Thank you that we can have the privilege, Lord God, of partnering with what you're doing around the nations. Oh, God, lead every step, every step, for your name's sake, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.